0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We've been in the 23rd Psalm and our theme has been we're confident in the shepherd. Today I want to talk about the comfort that he provides. You know, some people have a really wrong or distorted view about God. And sometimes even with a proper view of God and a right understanding of God, when darkness comes, when the shadows come, when the valley of the shadow of death appears, when wave after wave of tough situations come at us, we can begin to change our view of God, questioning where he is. Why doesn't he heal? How come he doesn't answer the prayer that we asked the way we asked it? There's an amazing phrase about the character and the heart of God, one that we should never forget no matter what the situation is. And I want you to lean in and catch this from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I mean, we have to pause for just a second. He is the Father... Of mercies, This good shepherd is the father of mercies and he's the God of all comfort. In the original language, that, that phrase all means, means all. But it's the fact, fact that he can distribute every kind of comfort we need for any kind and every kind of situation. And he comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. God comforts us, and then God comforts others through us. This is who he is, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. And we see it so clearly in this little psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a really amazing psalm. There's no petition in this psalm. There's not a request. There's not a prayer. And I think this little psalm has everything you and I will ever need. Everything that we could possibly want is available to us through the Good Shepherd. And it's all here in this psalm you'll immediately notice that the narrative mode changes. He becomes you. He is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He restores. He leads me for his namesake. And very abruptly, however, third person becomes second person. And David says, you are with me. David stops talking about the shepherd and begins talking to the shepherd. It's as if he's been talking about God and then the darkness comes, the valley of the shadow appears, the shadow of death, and he realized that's God. He's right there. I will fear no evil for you are with me. An essay becomes an intimate conversation. And the same is true in our lives. There'll be times when we go from talking about God to speaking to God, from singing about him to singing to him. The psalm shifts from, from the God and is leading to my need for Him in the challenging times of my life. You know, the beauty is that God leads the flock and He does a marvelous job. But each individual sheep notices the personal presence of the great shepherd. That's why it says that in Psalm 23:4, that even when I go through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, God's comfort in the valleys of life, I want to talk about that today. And the first thing I want to direct you to is this, that He directs and guides me. Even though I go, even when I go, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, and here it is, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Sometimes it's emotional stress. Sometimes it's financial stress. Then the washing machine breaks down right when you're in the middle of financial stress. The oven stops working. Or you go to the laundromat only to find that all the machines have been taken. Or the devastation of facing hardship like the precious people in Texas have faced and continue to face. If you desire the leading of the shepherd, there are five things to stop doing. The first one is, I can't follow the culture that doesn't follow God. The second one is, I I can't follow friends who aren't led by God. We've said it around here for years. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I can't look to other sources besides God. Can't do it. I must stop being led by my circumstances. People often say, well, you need to be present in the moment. That's right. But the present moment doesn't need to take over who you are and whose you are or how you feel about God. I can't be led by my feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Can't be led by them. And the last one is, I must learn to let go and not dwell on certain things. Words that I've heard, words that maybe I've shared in anger. We have to let go of certain things and stop dwelling on them because they'll just wear us out. So to follow God's leading and guiding, here's what I must do. I must want to be led. It starts with a desire that you are with me in the deepest and darkest times, and I'm following you. You lead me and guide me in paths of righteousness. There must be a desire for that. See, life is a series of choices. We make our choices, then our choices make us. Psalm 40, verse 8, the psalmist writes, My God, I want to do what you want, and your teachings are in my heart. And the next thing is, I must be willing to do what God says. I'm willing to obey in advance before you even tell me what you want me to do. God, I am listening, and God, I will obey. James 1.22 says obey God's message. Don't fool yourselves by just listening to it. And my, how we all need to listen more and more to the Word of God. And that's the next point. I must look to God's Word. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. It's the Word that guides us. If you're not in the Bible every day, You're in the dark, and the last thing you want when you're in the darkness of the valley is to be in the dark about God and the will of God. You see, God's will is found in His Word. When you open your Bible, God opens His mouth, and He takes the Scriptures and brings them from there to here and from then to now, and He speaks to you. His Spirit can speak. Don't get me wrong. You can hear the whisper, the still small voice of God. But before you try to listen to God's voice, start looking for God's verse. Before you start listening for his voice, start hearing him speak through the words of the scripture to you. See, God expects me to obey what I already know before he shows me something brand new. I must ask God. I must ask God to lead me. And when we ask him, we ask him humbly. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, God guides the humble in what is right and he teaches them his way. So ask God. Ask God in the valley places of life especially in a humble manner. Come before him willing to do what he teaches and following how he guides. And I must listen for God's response. We don't always like his response. But Jesus actually told us to listen Before he would share a parable, he would say, listen, pay attention here. Listen up. And the book of Revelation, over and over again, we hear Jesus saying, those who have ears, let them hear what the Lord would say to the church, what the Spirit would speak to the church. And don't we need his voice now more than ever? I believe we do. The voice through his Spirit, and of course the voice through the Word of God. So we can declare that, Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Take a look at this picture of the rod and the staff. The shepherd's staff is more recognizable to us. It's kind of like a long walking stick made out of wood with a crook formed at one end of it. With the length of the staff, the shepherd can reach ahead or behind him to the side to tap a lamb into movement away from a certain kind of direction that would cause danger or distress. A shepherd uses his staff as an instrument to gently lift a newborn lamb and lay it alongside its mother. A shepherd uses his staff to reach out and draw individual sheep to himself for closer inspection. And a shepherd uses his staff to draw individual sheep that might be shy or maybe standoffish into the unity of the community of the flock. And a shepherd uses his, his staff to guide individual sheep into a proper path. In other words, when sheep are going the wrong way, the shepherd is there. And that guidance ends up causing comfort, especially in the valley of the shadow of death. It's that last usage that best defines the staff's role to comfort us. See, the valley of the shadow of death is no place for a sheep to be exploring new paths or wandering aimlessly about. To the contrary, it's a place where a loving shepherd will keep extra close guard on the sheep to ensure that the sheep doesn't drift off course since death shadow is all around. Dangers that we talked about even last week. Predators, robbers, looters, and those that would come against the sheep. And remember, you and I are called the sheep. He will lead us. He will guide us. But the big question is, will we follow? Will we trust him? Will our perception of God change in the difficult seasons? Will the perception of God change when we hear bad news or difficult news? Or will we allow him to be the father of mercy and the God of all comfort? Our good shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, And sometimes the path of righteousness goes right through the dark valley. Notice here that there is a change from stating that God leads me to the personal nature of his leadership. Remember, it's called the valley of the shadow of death. It is not death itself in this psalm, but it can feel like it. It's a shadow and the shadows can't hurt you. But notice this. It's the second thing I want you to understand. He delivers and frees me. That is what the original text is saying. So when Psalm 23, 4 says, I fear no danger, it's because of that deliverance. It's because of that freeing. And sometimes the sheep will stumble into a hole. Sometimes they'll get so enraptured with the lush green grass that they nose themselves into a thorn bush trying to reach for more and more. And their fleecy wool gets all tangled in the thorns. The shepherd's staff has that crook in it on the end and he can pull that sheep out Of the area where they're entangled. He can free that entangled lamb. And it's so with Christ as He delivers us and frees us from pitfalls and traps and places that can mess us up. We learn to fear no danger. We learn to fear no danger as we learn to trust in Jesus. It's a learning process, isn't it? And the Bible tells us about one of our enemies, the devil. He's like a roaring lion. You've heard that. The roar creates the fear. Why does the lion roar? Well, scientists tell us because he's hungry. But we know it's more than that. See, animals that have the strength and the physical dexterity, when they hear the roar, they forget to run because they're terrorized by fear. That's the result of the roar. That's the result of fear. He's seeking whom he may devour. There has to be someone who then cannot be devoured. If the passage says the roaring lion, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that means there are some who can't be devoured. If life roars at you, And you respond in utter terror and fear. And you forget who you are. And you forget whose you are. And you forget what God's provided for you. And you forget he's the God who leads you and guides you. And that even in the middle of the roar, he's the God that's with you. Then you won't become a candidate to be the lion's dinner. Remember, you cannot stop the roaring. But you can stand in who Christ allows you to be and who he is as your shepherd. Trust in him. Lean into him. Stand strong and firm on him. Fear stops us from doing what God has called us to do. And the enemy loves for you to be afraid. God will take you to the valley of the shadow of death, but the enemy, he will be there making it even darker. And we have to trust our God who leads us The Bible tells us that fear is not something abstract. Fear is a spirit. And God has told us He's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So when fear comes, get on your knees and come against fear in your life, or the fear will crush you. Notice what the psalmist says I will not fear. The devil thrives on fear. Like God moves off of faith, the devil thrives on fear. And something we learn (laughs) is that the devil loves people to know what he does. He loves publicity. That's why the more we see his works and his acts, and those works and acts are promoted and propagated through media and social media, he is thrilled. Just ask Job. Every time something happened, something horrible happened, trying times happened, there was always somebody to walk into Job's life and say, you'll never believe what's going on, Job. There were tellers of the fear. There were tellers of the terror. There were gossips of the grossness. And here was Job trying to keep his faith strong. Even when his wife said, curse God and die, Job. Get this over with. And remember this, Jesus has called us to be sheep among the wolves and there will be wolves. There will be wolves. And you know who will be right there with us? Our good shepherd. When we face the wolves of life, when we face the lion's roar, God tells us one thing, do not be afraid. Fear not. And he's not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. And it's all about trust in our shepherd. That's why we're the sheep. Can I be honest with you? I wish God would have made me something else or called me something else. You're the gazelle, you're the jaguar, you're the cougar. (laughs) You can get away from it all. But he doesn't call me that. He calls me a sheep. And here's the lesson. I cannot determine who I am if I do not determine who God is. He proves time and time again that he will deliver me and that he will free me. Now remember, we've said this the last few weeks. You don't control things. You can try, but you can't. You can't control life. But there's one thing you can control. It's your surrender to God and his ways. And that's why the next point is so powerful. He defends and protects me in the midst of the wolves, in the midst of the roar, in the midst of the difficulties and darkness. Psalm 23, 4 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, the picture of the the rod and staff. What do we see? Well, usually when we think of the rod and the staff, we kind of think they're the same, but each is a different instrument. You see, we don't always surrender to the school of the shepherd. This is where he's teaching us life lessons, shaping us so he can use us more and more. If we rebel, we will have to repeat the class. So here's my lesson to you. I can save you five years of pain. Learn today what you need to learn today. Ask God what he wants to teach you through difficult seasons so you don't have to take the class over again. If you rebel and you don't pay attention and do the work in the school of the shepherd, he can pull you in with his staff. And he might even give you a poke and a prod with his rod. You see, God's rod and staff are not vindictive tools for our punishment, but loving tools for our comfort. Everything God does is good. Now, we aren't even aware of the thousands of ways that God is using his rod and his staff to ward off threats from entering into our lives. Well, he's not against us, he's for us. The shepherd's rod was about two feet in length with a knob at one end and a handle carved on the other. The knotted end might be weighted and impressed with sharp metal, or stones a skilled shepherd could use it to crush a predator's head or he could throw it with precision at a charging attacker to the sheep this rod is a comfort giving strength in the face of dangers again i fear no evil why cuz cuz god's got a staff to pull me away and he's got a rod to defend for me to the enemy the rod's a fearful thing, a sign of power that threatens to undo the devious plan. To the enemies, this is terror. To the sheep, this is comfort. What do most people think when they think of the word comfort? What do you think of? Well, a nice blanket, a, a comfor, comforter, comforter, or being at ease. You see, the, the word comfort or fort has to do with Fortification where he comes and he fortifies the weak. He gives strength to those that are weak. And he lifts up the lost sheep. The original language helps us to suggest suggest this. The rod helps me and I feel comforted. The staff directs me and I feel assured, comforted and assured. Do we recognize how much God is fighting for us? Do we see Jesus as a lamb who went to the cross, quiet, though dying in excruciating pain? Or do we see him as a warrior fighting for us, our warrior king? Now, we know that sheep are danger prone. We, we get that. And we know that sheep graze and they pay little attention to their surroundings. They're, they're, they're kind of like lost. And oftentimes, we wouldn't even know the danger around the corner. If it wasn't for God, our good shepherd. Ever been there? Ever wandered so far that you didn't know how you got where you were? Ever started thinking things that, that took you away from sound thinking and became stinking thinking, but you were so far down the path you didn't even know how you got there? The shepherd can come with his staff and he can hoist us to safety. Predators pose a, a great danger to the sheep. Shepherds are equipped with a club-shaped weapon. That's the rod. And In a world of predators, it seems we need the protection of God more than ever. You see, God often provides rescue for his people, whether from circumstances of our own making or from situations that are no fault of our own. Decisions other people have made, choices other people, people have made. But I love this. When we worry about troubles that might come tomorrow, we steal the peace from today. God wants us to live each day abundantly, seeing all that He has for us to see and doing all that He's called us to do. Matthew six thirty four. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the shepherd, he uses the rod to beat off those external enemies while he uses that crooked staff to snatch us from harm's way. The symbol of Jesus, the sign of Jesus, the good, great shepherd. In John 10, 27 and 28, he says, My sheep hear my voice. And I love this line. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And and, and number four, he is with me and watches over me. Psalm 23, four, for you are with me. I wonder in what areas of your life today you need to say that, for you are watching over me. See, God, you don't just watch me to see if I mess up but you're taking care of me while I'm in the valley. You learn different lessons in the valley than you learn on the hilltop. I mean, that goes without saying. You learn different lessons of faith when things are dark as opposed to when they're light. But God leads us through the valleys of my life and your life, and he gives us comfort along the way. Think of Jesus' words in Matthew 28:20, 20, And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember, a shadow may frighten us, but it cannot hurt us. A shadow is only temporary, but the light is eternal. I want you to be able to look at God and speak to him and say, I will not fear, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, to protect me. Your staff to assure me that I have you by my side. A person without Christ must go through the valleys today and tomorrow alone. Let's pray for them. And if that's you, that you're without Christ, now is the time to give your life over to Him. Because you are my shepherd, I commit my needs to you. Provide green pastures for me to lie in. Lead me beside still waters, waters I could never find on my own. Restore my soul when I am empty. Lead me in right paths for your namesake. Be with me in danger when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Deliver me from evil. Help me when the lion roars. Help me when the predators come. Help me when wave after wave of darkness comes. And I know you will. You'll protect me with your rod and your staff. You'll prepare a table to feed me, even in the presence of my enemies, and the enemies will see your provision for my life. Anoint me with the oil of healing. Let me drink from the full cup of your provision. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, and I will live with you forever. Let me ask you a question. I feel very compelled to ask it, especially this week. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know this Good Shepherd? You have the ability to take advantage of the rod and the staff to give you comfort. Are you able to say, I will fear no evil? If not, you've not allowed Christ to be your Savior. And some of you may have been listening to me for weeks. Thank you so much. But the greatest thing you need to hear is about what I'm going to say. It's the greatest thing I have, my greatest possession, the greatest possession of our church. It's Jesus, our shepherd. Jesus, our savior. And if you've never given your life over to him, it may sound bizarre that Jesus could come and fill your soul It may sound bizarre that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus could do something so significant in your life that he would transform you. I know you can't hold his hands. I know he can't physically touch you. But by the power of God, the creator of the universe, your creator, he wants to be with you. And I can guarantee you this. As you believe in Jesus Christ, who died on a cross and rose again from the dead, and you confess that you need him, You're a sinner in need of a savior. He will save you and he will come to you and you will sense his presence and you will sense his power. It may sound bizarre. It may sound odd, but I'm encouraging you to give your life over to Christ. He's never disappointed anyone who has and he wants to be your good shepherd. So Lord, we acknowledge that we're sinners. We believe that you died on a cross and that you rose again from the dead. We all repent of our sins and by faith we receive you, Lord Jesus, as the Lord of our lives. You promised to save us and so Lord, today we believe in you because you are God and you cannot lie. I believe right now that you are my personal Lord and Savior, that all my sins are forgiven through the precious blood that you shed on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit By the power of God the Father that raised you from the dead, would you raise me up and give me eternal life? And today, life and life more abundant. I encourage you to trust in the Lord with all your heart. The good shepherd is with you. And when the lion roars, I want you to declare this. I will not fear because you are with me. God bless you and have a great and wonderful week. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know how we can pray for you and serve you. God bless. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.